0: You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. When Captain Jan Becker is not delivering babies here in Australia or in Tanzania, she's piloting one of her company's Bell 206 turbine helicopters. I spoke with Jen, a registered nurse and midwife who runs the largest helicopter flight academy in the Southern Hemisphere, about working in both the business and health arenas, and started off by asking her how such a unique dual career came about, and which passion arose first.
1: Well, my dad was a a fixed-wing pilot in Orange in New South Wales, and I guess I grew up around aviation. But in those days, when I was looking at a career, it it, a, it wasn't very women dominated and and B, it was almost out of your reach, you know financially. But I always loved nursing. I'd always wanted to be a doctor or do something in the in the medical profession. So when I did my training, I became a nurse in uh, New Zealand and we did um, you know we did general and psych nursing. and then later on I became a midwife when I was working in Papua New Guinea as a nurse. I realized that my skill set in the midwifery arena, was lacking so i came back to australia and i trained at uh, king george the fifth hospital as a midwife
0: have the two worlds intersected much throughout your career so far
1: well they have i mean there's you know when you look at flying and you look at medicine um the the two worlds in some ways are very similar there's a bunch of rules that you need to follow and they keep you safe and the patient safe it's the same in the helicopter there's a bunch of rules you follow and they keep you safe and your passengers safe but you know Apart from that, in Papua New Guinea, when I when I worked in Kimbe, all the medivacs were done by helicopter. So mm-hmm. I got to love the ability of a helicopter to be able to take off, land in a village or several villages, pick up a series of patients and then come back to the helicopter. And I just thought, would that not be so amazing to be able to take a helicopter and fly, for example, this is a dream we may, you know, we may realise in Africa to go to different clinics, you have all the medicines on board, you do the training, you take off in the helicopter, you go to the next village. And I love the discipline of both of the careers. You know, when, you know, I could never be a very good graphic artist because I don't know what the rules are. Whereas, you know, as a midwife uh, and a nurse, and as a pilot, you follow your checklist. There are things that you do and you do them with absolute Um, within your lanes. You know what I mean? I call it batting your back in your lane. You know, when we check out, you know, dangerous drugs and those sorts of things, there's rules and there's protocols. Um, And I like that, you know. So the worlds have intersected. And I just think, I mean, for me, I'm really lucky because it's a career, the the two careers that I absolutely love. You know, flying helicopters is, uh, you know, you take off at dawn over the Australian Outback is just amazing. And then You step into a labor ward in in Tanzania and you deliver a baby and you just think, you know, what a privilege to have both.
0: You mentioned Tanzania there and and you founded Midwife Vision, a a nonprofit organization that provides education and support to midwives in in under-resourced areas. And as part of that work, you regularly volunteer at the Amana Hospital in Dar es Salaam in Tanzania. Uh, What are your focuses when you hit the ground over there?
1: Well, the big, the big focus is uh, maternal and child health, and so standing toe-to-toe with the midwives and labour ward. Where I work there, um, there's, you know, between 80 and 100 deliveries a day in a ward where we have eight benches and then two high-dependency beds. And when I say high-dependency beds, that could be women fitting from eclampsia, and we see a lot of eclampsia, um, and uh, we see a lot of abruption. Uh, that You know, that's where the placenta comes away, and in the in the moment when you're there, your focus becomes that mother that you're looking after or that baby you're resuscitating or that midwife that you're teaching neonatal resuscitation. We take about 200 kilos of medical equipment and drugs, and they're basic drugs, really, um, drugs to stop bleeding after pregnancy, you know, antibiotics, simple pain relievers, Um a thousand packets of gloves and suture kits for, for perineal repairs. Um, but the focus is to, you know, the not for profit we have in Australia. Uh, we then uh, then donate the money to the not for profit or NGO that we have in Dar es Salaam. And then with that, we focus on that hospital in training the midwives in the HBB program, the Helping Babies Pre Champion program. And we've just started a business there because we want to, and employed two local. Um, Tanzanian folks uh, and Michael Elizabeth and our dream or our vision is to create a sustainable business that creates enough money to keep midwives in training and education the drugs the gloves the needs of the mothers Um, we're just developing an app an education app for the midwives and we're just developing a whole education package for the mums Um, in really simple um, terms. So yeah, hit the ground running is true. You know, you get there and it just does not stop until you get on the plane when you leave.
0: The the University of the Sunshine Coast recently named you Outstanding Alumnus for 2017. First of all, congratulations. Uh, you said you. The, the recognition helps put the midwives of Tanzania on the map. Uh, what would you like people to know about the work they do?
1: I just think these are some of the champions of the world, these midwives. You know, we uh, we as nations got together at the United Nations, 90, 193 nations got together and came up with the Sustainable Development Goals. And part of that is maternal and child health. And the people that are at the forefront are the midwives. And the midwives in Tanzania, are, they do different things to what we do in Australia. Some of the areas are core. but you know, in Tanzania, we deliver breach deliveries, vacuum deliveries, you do all your perineal repairs, you manage the eclamptic women, PPH, um, full resuscitation, and there is not, there's not a body of people that arrives to help and take over. So there's a tremendous amount of um, skill set in the midwives, but also they're dealing, you know, sometimes there's only two midwives on a night duty and there will be 50 deliveries. Wow. And I challenge, I challenge anybody to work in those environments and and not sometimes feel like you're losing your way, that the world has forgotten <laughs> mm-hmm. you. So, you know, you know, I stand with midwives here in Australia, and I love the work that I do here in Australia, and I love the midwives that I work with. Um, but when I step into the labour ward in Tanzania, there is a recognition that I give them, and I look at them in the eye and I say, you know, you're not invisible. You know, we care about you and we want to stand with you. So, you know, I applaud them. They're dealing with this um, day in and day out. The hospital I work at here, and I only work very casually, you know, they have 70 to 100 deliveries a month. We do that in a day. Mm-hmm. And so it's just it's just different. And I think it's just a wonderful way to say, you know, we applaud you and we want to say thank you for being part of this this wonderful privilege looking after mothers and babies.
0: Mm-hmm. You're, you're undertaking a degree by research at USC focusing on the midwives of sub-Saharan Africa and managing neonatal resuscitation and very early neonatal death. What, what will you explore as part of that work?
1: So as part of the PhD, the main, the main part of that is the voice of the midwives, and I call it the silent voice of the midwives. And they, their story needs to be told. You know, it'll be narrative inquiry, exploring their feelings thoughts perceptions and seeing if there's a way that through through their dialogue is there a way that we can better understand the work that they do and is there a better way to understand how we can then get better maternal outcomes and better neonatal outcomes because their story has not been told you know individual stories are told but as a collective body what is it that we can do to support them so the research question really is, what are your stories? You know, what does the world need to know? And it's exciting. I mean, I enjoy the I enjoy the engagement at university. That you know, you you sit beside people that have such great thinking, um, and we can we have to ask better questions to get better answers. And so that's why I'm doing it. I just believe that if we're going to change the way that we practice or the way that we think, we've got to challenge the way we practice and the way we think. We can't. You know, we can't work on old paradigms and it's a brand new day and a brand new world. Um, but in sub-Sahara Africa, it's it's just a different, it's a different story. And it's a story that I think is engaging, it's raw. Um, and there is meaning inside of their words, I think, that we can learn so much from. So that's why I'm so excited to do the PhD in, you know, in, in sub-Sahara Africa.
0: Just jumping back a little bit, what advice would you give other health professionals who would like to enter the business world or, or business professionals who are interested in health? What, what does it take to balance a career in business and, and a drive to provide care f- for others?
1: I think the main thing, and this is just my opinion, I think even if you're in business or even if in your health, if you don't like working with people, then you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. You know, business, whilst there's a lot of, you know, and you should do study. You know, if there was, you know, I did a master's in aviation management so that when I was doing my, you know, when I work as a CEO at a at, at helicopter company that I work in, that I have a different vernacular, a different way of doing business. When I put my scrubs on and I step into a labor ward and I'm doing education and teaching, I have a different uh, vernacular and a different way of doing things. You can balance both careers, but you just have to you just have to understand that there's a different skill set in both. But the principles and the ethos of who you are are still the same. Mm-hmm. So if you don't like people, don't get into health, mm-hmm. because it's 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 about how you know. Or if you want to get into health of animals then do that, but if you don't care, don't do it. Go and look after machines or something. We need you know we need good engineers. Um, build bridges instead of hospitals. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> And and the other thing, I think the balance is it's a balance of balance inside of you. Um, For me, you know, I do a lot of travel with business, with the helicopter side of things. So I get to travel the world and meet different people and sit in boardrooms. And for me, that's just as stimulating and interesting and exciting being in those different cities. With Tanzania, what I love is the rhythm of the relationships that you develop. And that's the same in business as well. You develop relationships. I think if the drive is there, you can't do it on where your thinking is now. You have to be able to challenge your thinking. And that's what university does or training courses. And I encourage people to think globally. You know, Australia is such a small nation and the world awaits. And there is. So if you do the Australian Institute of Company Directors course, for example, do it in Singapore. Singapore. You know, they run it there every year in Singapore, and you get to meet international people. If you want to work as a health professional and you have the opportunity to go overseas, go. Challenge your thinking um, because it's only through challenging ourselves that we become multi layered.
0: Thank you very much for your time today, Jan.
1: You're most welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Steph, Dallas.